Welcome to Balance 365 Life Radio, a podcast that delivers honest conversations about food, fitness, weight, and wellness. I'm your host, Annie Breeze, along with Jennifer Campbell and Lauren Kosky. We are personal trainers, nutritionists, and founders of Balance 365. Together, we coach thousands of women each day and are on a mission to help them feel healthy, happy, and confident in their bodies on their own terms. Join us here every week as we discuss hot topics pertaining to our physical, mental, and emotional well-being with amazing guests. Enjoy. Welcome back to another episode of Balance 365 Life Radio. This is your host, Annie Breeze, and I am so excited because we have an amazing guest for you today. We have Vienna Farron. Vienna is a licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy. She is one of the most sought-after therapists in New York City. She also happens to be the fiancé to Connor Beaton, who we had on our podcast a few episodes back. Vienna has a way of leading people back home, though. She is able to connect deeply to their needs, and she helps people connect to their voice in order to create the change they wish to see in themselves and their relationships. Vienna has worked with thousands of couples, and let me tell you, Jen, Lauren, and I have all experienced major aha moments following her on Instagram. If you don't already, check her out and follow her on Instagram at MindfulMFT, or you can check out her website at NewYorkCouplesCounseling.com. On today's podcast, Vienna, Jen, and myself dive into how to cultivate the self-worth required to ask for what you need in your relationships and how to use conflict as a tool for information. We had a wonderful time recording this episode. Vienna offers so many valuable insights into the dynamics of relationships. And if you're up for it, we think this could be a great episode to listen with your partner. As always, if you like what you hear today, we would love an amazing rating on iTunes so we can continue to bring you valuable podcast episodes with amazing guests like Vienna. Enjoy. Vienna, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this podcast. I am excited about this as well because you have made quite an impact on, I know Jen and I, via your Instagram uh, profile, which is huge. And if you aren't following her on Instagram, please make sure you do so. It's wonderful, wonderful, compelling quotes with amazing context and captions. Um, but that's not all you do. Can you share a little bit about how you got into the field of relationships and families and marriage and therapy? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist out here in New York City. Um, and so I I went to school for um, marriage and family therapy. For me, it's <clears throat> people always ask, you know, how did you get into that and, and why? And for me, it goes back to my own parents' divorce and wanting to understand relationships and why certain relationships work and why others fail. And um, probably from a pretty unevolved state and fear-based place, wanting to make sure that I had the tools so that the same thing wouldn't happen uh, in my own experience. And, um, and so, yeah, so I became really fascinated with relationships and I wanted to learn that stuff because it's not something that is generally taught outside of our own family of origins who, who are flawed individuals who are trying to teach us, even if they're not consciously aware of it, that, they're, that they are teaching us what it looks like to be in communication, what intimacy is, how we um, deal with conflict, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, I became really fascinated with it. And now ever since kind of getting into the field, 
the work has has evolved and it's not from a fear-based place it's more of a wanting to do the work with others to um just like stand alongside of them as they work through their own stuff in understanding their relationship dynamics and the patterns. Uh, So yeah, I I love the work so much. And, uh, and fun fact, you are um, engaged to Connor who was, uh, we were just discussing, I think our first official podcast guest. Uh, If you haven't listened to that episode, we discussed with Connor how to talk to your partner about like your health and your body and how to really like develop some really good communication strategies. Strategies. And as a man um, coming onto our female podcast, he just he just killed it. He did. It was so insightful and respectful. And I imagine the two of you together just have some amazing conversation. Yeah, we definitely do. And he he's so good at articulating. Um, really honestly, both like the masculine and the feminine energies. And so it's, it's so nice to be able to have him grounded in his energy and being able to communicate from that space. So yeah, we definitely have some, some great conversations and um, we get to work together a little bit now too, which is so nice to, to be able to bring that forward together. Yeah. Which I want you to share uh, some of the projects you're doing before we leave here today at the end. Um, because I, I know you've got some stuff in the works that's exciting. Um, so what we wanted to talk to you um, in particular, which I know we probably could spend hours on this, um, but how to ask for what you need in a relationship. And we deal with a lot of uh, discussion about marriages, um, about more intimate relationships. But this, uh, I was thinking we could also talk about how how to ask for what you need just in general in a relationship, whether it be a friendship, a coworker, um, a family member, it could be a spouse or a partner. Um, because what we've learned in working with women is that asking for what you need oftentimes requires like a minimum baseline amount of self-respect and a belief that you're worthy of getting your needs met. And that's something that mothers in particular, who we work a large part with, uh, struggle with. How do you go about beginning cultivating that self-worth to even get the courage to ask for what you need? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the places that we have to start is understanding the constraints to the self-worth, right? What it is that actually blocks us from that. We all have needs um, and some of us have greater access to bringing that forward. And you're right, it has a lot to do with our ability to connect to um, our deservingness of that, right? That self-worth, that worthiness, and the story that we tell ourselves about that. So I think it's important to understand what blocks it, right? What what it is that can get in the way and what are the stories that we tell ourselves about why this should or should not happen. I always give the prompt, the story I tell myself is, and I think for your listeners, that's a great prompt to ask yourself, like, what's the story that I'm telling myself about having needs and having those needs be met? For me as a marriage and family therapist, so much of the work is us going back into our family systems. It's us going back into the space where we understand some of the programming and what wounding we have, right? Was I in a family system where I was not heard? Was was, did I bring certain needs forward and were they overlooked? Was my role within the family system to be a caretaker, right? Maybe I was a part of a divorce and, um, 
and I lived with mom and I needed to be the caretaker to her emotional needs. And so my needs get overlooked, right? There's a lot of wounding that can happen in that space where we take this back seat. And if we're, if we don't have access to that story and to the wounding around that, it'll, it'll run our lives for us. It'll keep us quiet. It'll keep us from bringing certain things forward because we don't feel like we have permission to do that. We feel like if we bring certain things forward, maybe it'll turn into conflict or that it's too much to, for the system to hold. Like a lot of times it, we grow up in a, in a system that's already pretty shaky. And so there can be this belief system that if we bring something forward, then it's going to crash and burn the system um, and it's going to be too much. And so we hold it back. And I'm just giving a few examples of what the storyline could be um, based on, I think a lot of at least like familiar wounding themes for people. And so my invitation would be for people to really think about like, what's my story around having needs? How did I present those needs as a child? How did, how did I get, what was the reaction or how was I responded to in that way? And so to just tap into that space to maybe start to connect to this underlying story that could still be with you today and could actually be a constraint to you bringing your voice forward and having those needs be heard. Absolutely. Uh, Jennifer, you're here and you're kind of quiet over there. <laughs> we, yeah. haven't, we haven't <laughs> talked to you. Hi. First of all. Hi. I'm actually, um, I'm really connecting I, with this. I Fiona. figure you might have and some, something to add here. emotional right now. <laughs> well, I just wanted to say um, that I grew up in a home where my parents were divorced and there was a lot of conflict. And I've done lots of therapy as an adult and identified that um, I was my, I felt like my mother's caretaker. And I did feel like I had to be as quiet um, and chaos-free as possible to make my mom's life easier because I, I, you know, she had a hard life. And so I'm just really connecting with what you're saying here. And I'm having my own personal epiphany <laughs> as we speak because I, like many women, I struggle to speak up to say what my needs are. Um, I have this, you know, I feel like I have to soldier on at all times and take care of everything and um, not inconvenience anybody around me. And I've spoken about this um, on social media inside of our community. And a lot of women connect with what I'm saying as far as not wanting to inconvenience anybody. And I feel like you've, you know, you're just kind of providing us with a reason why mm -hmm. that is. It's so important to be able to acknowledge it. And then the next part of it is the expansion phase of it. It's like, it's, it's good to be able to realize and connect to what the story might be. And it can't stop there. Right. We have to also give ourselves that permission to, to shake the system. And that's scary because there are threats to it. It doesn't feel entirely safe because our system doesn't actually know that it's going to be okay to do this. In fact, it believes that it's not going to be in okay because of the data and the evidence that we have stored in our system, right? And so to override that takes so much courage and bravery and vulnerability to do that. And that's the invitation. It is actually what it is we need to do. It's scary and I'm going to do it anyway, right? It's frightening for me and my palms might sweat and I might think that this is going to be a disaster and I still need to do it anyway. And I say that with the caveat that, of course, if you're 
you know, in a relationship that doesn't feel safe, or if there are very significant threats, then you do need to be careful. Um, and I just, I just want to acknowledge that, that sometimes people will say, yeah, I hear you. And I, I get that the expansion does need to happen. And I also don't feel safe. Right. right? And so exactly. this is not about putting yourself into harm's way. But if you have a relationship where, yeah, you're just scared, or this is something that is just unusual for you, you have to push yourself to the edge and, and move through that. And, and make that leap. It's it's true. I, I love using the sort of like the difference between being injured uh, versus versus being hurt, right? It's like I I was an athlete and um, I remember like just tweaking things constantly, and my coach is being like, well, "Push through it, girl. Like <laughs> keep going, keep going here." And you know you have you have pulled hamstrings or you have this, and you keep going. Versus, and then I tore my ACL in college, and it's like, okay, that's an injury, and I can't push through that. And so knowing the difference of oh, this doesn't feel good for me and it's tweaked and I still have to push through versus, wait a second, this is actually a dangerous um, space for me and I have to be very aware of that. So I just want to put that out there just to make sure that people are, are safe in that space. Um, but you do need to push through. It cannot just be, oh, I have this great reflection and insight about myself. This is why I stay quiet. Right. <laughs> and like, period. And that's where I say it's, no, you do need to recognize that. And then, and voice that and say, you know, this is, this is the story that, that I grew up in. And it's really hard for me to bring this forward. And I'm trying to expand into this space where I can actually use my voice to be heard and start to change that story and narrative out. I love that because, um, I love that you say this is hard and I'm going to do it anyways, because this is, uh, speaking as a 35 year old, I shy away from discomfort, emotional discomfort, anything that feels like confrontation, or I, I need to be a little bit more bold in how I'm asserting myself, um, has been really scary for me up until like the past year. And it's been a practice. Like I, I, sometimes I kind of ebb and flow through, uh, being a little bit more bold and then I maybe take a step back and then I take a step two steps forward and then a step back. And, um, it, it wasn't like, I just was like, okay, I'm doing this now. And I've, you know, moved on forever and ever. And I'm perfect. It's been more like a, like I've had to cultivate that, like in me to be like, no, this is what I need. And I'm worthy of doing this. And I'm going to ask you, even if it's a little bit more uncomfortable or, I'm worried about how it might make you feel if I ask for this, um, which I think is something we see a lot in our community, especially when we're talking about like roles in the home. Uh, if women need help um, or assistance that they know that by asking for a shift in that, whatever that may be, it affects their partner. And how, you know, where's that line between I don't want to upset them, but I need something different. I, I, I would also add that you know, when we're typically the women we work with are in a partnership and it's really hard to separate your own journey in this regard from your partner's journey, because when you want to bring your story forward, um, you kind of need them to bring their story forward as well, especially when it comes to gender roles within a family and household. So it doesn't feel right to not be getting what we need. And I see this scenario over and over and over again. We're not getting what we need and our male partners um, are taking what they need unapologetically. And that sort of um, 
you know, kind of can feed back into how women were raised and what we are quote unquote allowed to ask for, especially from men and what our roles are inside of a, you know, inside of a family. And so, um, in order for me to bring my story forward, I need these things. Um, I think it could where the tension and where the women where women actually don't feel safe is is their partner's story is different is but women take care of these things but I do these things you know and which comes from their own story what they may have seen role model in their homes and so um I've talked to this too about several girlfriends of where I see a lot of disconnect in relationships today where um women were raised to be strong so like I for example was raised um through the 80s and 90s and I was going to be strong stand on my own you know all these things coming from you know of course that came from my mom's story where she was raised through the 60s and didn't have that kind of encouragement so but then some of us have partnered with people who were still sort of on the you know, their parents were still raising them to not have strong women or independent women or um, in the household. And there's just kind of a disconnect there. And then you have to examine your whole belief system around basically gender roles. And um, yeah, it's really interesting, but it can make things really tough. And I think that's where a lot of women don't feel safe um, bringing it forward. Is it, it actually requires us asking our partners to dig in and examine their story and what they tell themselves. Yeah, it absolutely does. It's, we talk a lot about having partners who will stand shoulder to shoulder with us. It's very hard to be doing your own work without your partner leaning into that space and doing, doing theirs. And sometimes partners are more resistant to that. Right. And I don't know if that's a lot of the community that uh, who listens to you. Um, but I think we have to continue to create that invitation to, to bring it forward and, and actually ask our partners to consider exactly what you were saying, right? consider the belief systems, the programming that they've had too. Because what we're seeing is that we have these different sets of beliefs, these different sets of programs that are coming together that do create conflict, right? We have these expectations that are just in our belief systems. And so you might have a partner who does expect X, Y, and Z from you. And maybe you did grow up believing that to be true, but you've gotten to a point in your life where you're, where you're starting to shift that expectation or you start to feel like, well, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good for me. And so now I'm going to push back on that expectation because I'm breaking free from some of these beliefs or some of these programs that have been set in place. And I think that this is one of the greatest shifts in our time to see the separation for women. I find that I, I certainly see so many women having tremendous conflict with their mothers and that there's this huge gap in, in our history, I think, where the, the difference between women is so great. It's maybe one of the greatest gaps that we've really seen between generation to generation. And I think that that conflict sort of in the feminine is, is really interesting to pay attention to, too, because I think as women, when I, when I work with women, I always say, you like, let's check our judgments of women, right? Let's check our judgments of the feminine and what are the stories that we have and where is it that we roll our eyes and where is it that we're like, oh, that's, that's crap or um, I would never be that way. Like, how do we judge the feminine? Because we, we often confuse women for the feminine energy and, right. and, that, and that to me is a spectrum that we all slide up and down. But right. I think it's so important to be in that space. Unfortunately, you know, you might be 
partnered with someone who has a has a block there. It's why I think I'm I'm slightly biased, but I think it's why I think therapy is is so incredible and so important to do this couple's work to be able to um, really dive into that space. And I think you were getting to this before, Jen, about um, the systemic nature of this work is that I can't just do my work on my own. Great, I have these revelations and I'm going to bring my voice forward. But if my partner is not able to hear it doesn't really actually do anything right like right. And so yes there's it's great that we're able to honor ourselves but if the outcome is conflict or if the outcome is something that actually doesn't budge us forward in any way that can feel pretty pretty um difficult for us and it doesn't create that positive feedback loop of i want to keep doing this because it's successful and feels rewarding and, and helpful for us as a couple right so on that note, what if you're in that space where you're willing to put in the work and you've got a spouse or a partner that maybe isn't sure or is resisting a little bit? Do you have any suggestions or thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's important to just speak from your own experience and the, the emotion that you have around it. Trying to force somebody into the work when they're resisting it is hard. Right? There's something that feels threatening about that to the other person. And so being able to drop into that space to try to understand it and actually have this sort of experiential um, conversation with them to understand, like, why are you resisting it? Like, help me understand what it is that you are pushing away from, right? Because sometimes people have really strong stories about what therapy is or what quote unquote getting help is and to connect to that for someone might help us understand where their resistance is and then the other part is just bringing your own emotion forward sharing why this is important to you if your partner feels like you're trying to control them in this way they might be resistant to it but if they feel like you are hurting or that there is a functionality to why we're going to lean into this space, they might feel less resistant to that. It, it can be hard. I, I don't think that there's a simple, easy answer to this um, other than voicing why it's important to you and creating that invitation and um, trying to have the, the conversation that has both of you sharing why you either want or don't want this to happen and to try to connect in that space. The tough thing is that therapy often comes from a result of conflict and in, inside the relationship. And so people, their defenses are up. And so I imagine if you come at your partner saying, there's something wrong with you, we have to go to therapy, of course, they're going to be resistant, right? Um, rather than a conversation of, you know, we need help. I need help and you need help and we need help together to um, meet each other in the middle type thing. Yeah, there's definitely gentler language that we can use with it. And I think it's also important probably to bring some of that forward when you're, when you're not actually in conflict, when you're not right. in the thick of it, or when you're actually in an okay space. We, we know that the research shows that um, couples come to couple therapy about on average four years uh, too late. Um, oh, and so yeah, we wait that, and we wait sure. and we wait until we get to this point where we're just so fed up, which, which is hard to come in from that space, right? When you can start to look at therapy as something that can be preventative or just informative or explorative, right? It, mm -hmm. Those are the things that make it less threatening to us. But a lot of people think like, oh, this is the end of it. If I'm going to therapy, this is the end. Or if I'm not even 
been married, isn't that a really bad situation if we're going to therapy before we're even tying the knot? And those are just such crap stories, right? They're just these stories that actually have nothing to do with what the work is. Um, And so we have to challenge some of the the things that we're telling ourselves about this. because the truth is, when you have that great connection with a therapist or someone, you know, a coach or whomever, um, that work can be some of the most transformative work you'll ever do in your life. And to understand why it is we'd want to resist transformative work um, is, a, is a good question, right? It's like, right. oh, I am going to have to change. I'm going to have to look at some of the hard stuff in my life, right? Like, that's usually what people are resisting is their shadow is the stuff that they don't want to look at. <laughs> it's tough. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's big emotional labor, right. To go into therapy and do that work. So, um, I know when I was first married, uh, my partner, um, asked me to go to therapy. We had a rough first year and, uh, and I was very resistant to it and sort of how you're talking about bringing blocks to the surface. So we have so many blocks that are unconscious and we're just sort of reacting to our feelings and the situation and we're not really exploring where that resistance is coming from. But when I did explore that resistance, it was because I had been to, you know, I had been to so many therapists as a child and we moved a lot. So I was always starting with a new therapist and it was, it was just very, for me, the connection to therapy was, this is going to be exhausting. It's going to take me a very, you know, I'm going to tell my whole story to a new therapist and that's going to take several sessions. And then, you know, and it just, to me, it just had such a, I, I remember feeling like just the energy, you know, I just felt, didn't feel like I had that energy and, but, you know, it really just took bringing it to the surface to go, hey, okay, yeah, I can handle this. That's where my block is coming from, but we can push through and Yeah. And I think, uh, Vienna, I've heard you talk about, I think it was conflict, how you're kind of, I don't want to say a fan of it, but that you kind of look at it as information, as um, something, a tool to maybe help you make some improvements or changes that enhance your relationship versus like, oh my gosh, hunker down, this is the beginning of the end, we're doomed sort of thing. You actually think it's like useful. Yes. Yeah. I I see conflict as the one of the greatest gateways to connection, intimacy, closeness um, with our partners. No, that doesn't mean that we should be seeking out conflict to create intimacy, but <laughs> it's, it's recognizing that when there is conflict there, exactly what you said, I always say conflict is information and it's some of the most important information we'll ever come to understand about ourselves and about our partners. So I, I like to think of putting that flag in the sand to be like, okay, there's something so worth understanding here because when we're in conflict, it means that there's a trigger. There means that there are certain things that are happening underground and in our system that we don't really know what to do with. And it's coming out in this chaotic way because we don't know how to articulate it. We don't know what's happening to us, but we feel under attack and there's a threat and we are going to fight or we're going to flee or we're going to freeze or whatever it is. Like you said, we're going to hunker down. We're going to do this. And It's not easy to necessarily do it in the moment, but I think it's so important to start to shift our story around what conflict is because most people want to avoid it. Most people see it as a threat. Most people see it as something that's bad. And that's because the story that we have around conflict is that we saw conflict lead to anger and yelling and fighting, or we saw conflict lead to divorce, or we saw conflict lead to people brushing things under the rug and it becoming something that turned into sort of like a passive aggressive 
negative energy or maybe we saw um, like conflict was behind closed doors so we actually never even saw a resolution or repair happen or maybe we had family systems where everything was quote unquote perfect and so if we're always perfect there must be something so bad about conflict that we can't even go there right? so we have a, a stretch of storytelling around what conflict is and my invitation is to to open that story up to at least allow for us to start to tinker around with this idea that conflict is information and it isn't something that is bad or something that we have to avoid that conflict is something that allows us to get in there with our partners and say something really serious is happening right now and I want to learn about it and maybe we're in a, a sort of like high flooded energy place right now but when we come down from this I do want to understand what's going on for you because this is where this is where the gold is you know it's like I always say when we're getting along and having fun and connected that's great I want you guys like of course that's that you're together for for hopefully because you like each other on some level and that's wonderful but you don't actually learn these new parts of each other in the good you learn these new parts in the conflict in the rawness when you're starting to learn more stuff about yourself and i actually think it's part of how desire stays in long-lasting relationships it's like the novelty of the relationship can happen in learning about these new parts of ourselves that we didn't even have access to before so conflict can actually maintain our relationship because it's allowing us to to connect to new stories, new new wounds, new traumas, new pain stories that we maybe didn't have access to before. There's this amazing quote you have on your page. I just scrolled back to find it because I will remember it forever when you posted it. It said, it says, avoiding your triggers isn't healing. Healing happens when you're triggered and you're able to move through the pain, the pattern, and the story and walk your way to a different ending. And I found that so powerful. And that's kind of what you're saying here is to not run, which a lot of people do. Avoiding triggers is a very common behavior pattern. And you're saying lean in, move through it, uh, write a new story. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that the healing is like, oh, if I choose someone who doesn't trigger me, right? Or if I choose, you know, like that's the way that I stay in a happy, secure and healthy place. And I actually don't think that that's the work. I think that the work and the beauty is not so much that we avoid this stuff. It's that it's put into the light. It's that we have access to our wounds and our pain and our trauma and that story. And it's not in our shadow, right? Mm-hmm. It's, in our, it's in our conscious mind. We have access to it. We can feel it. We can touch it. We can be with it. And that when we get triggered, because we inevitably do, that's, that's the human, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And it's, it's part of the, the human connection is that we have it in our hands and that with each other we can say okay this is what's going on or this is the experience that I have just had and we can dive into it with each other and not have the wounding go to the same story the same wounding story that we have from the original wound but that oh with you you can acknowledge it you can hear it with me we can hold it together and maybe it's not totally pretty the entire way through but we can create this new story around the wound where it was heard it was understood. It was loved. It was acknowledged. And that is what I see as some of the most rewarding healing work. Right? It's not about the avoidance of. It's about the acknowledgement and the recognition and making it a priority when it's happening so that the healing can come through. 
I wonder if our listeners' minds are blowing like mine is. (laughs) (laughs) Like, so much gold here. Um, I would say with this podcast, and we recommended this with Connors as well, is their podcast you need to listen to with your partner. So you might listen to it alone, but then take that to your partner and listen to it together because that is going to be what can um, stimulate that conversation and get, you know, get everything going. Mm-hmm. So, um, we talked a little bit about how, uh, to kind of start cultivating that self-worth and examining what your needs are and where they come from and what stories you're telling yourself, um, about who you are and what you're doing. But what we see happen in our community, it seems like is, um, sometimes we let these needs go unmet for so long that it starts to build and build and build. And that can end up, um, with women feeling frustrated. I mean, men too, but we work mostly with women. Um, feeling frustrated and then that can lead to criticism and uh, resentment arguments. And I've heard you talk about unpacking messages and the, I think you shared this on the um, man talks podcast that you did with Connor was uh, you know, you see people exploding about the toothpaste cap being left off and it's really not about the toothpaste cap. I mean, I, I, I've heard of friends doing this. I would never do that. <laughs> right. But no, no. Um, but that that's kind of how it kind of manifests. Like all of a sudden you just lose it. Like you just cannot take anymore. And um, can you just talk a little bit more about what you mean by unpacking messages? Like how do you get down to like, what is this, what's really going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just really fast to touch on to like, once we get to this explosion place, like we know we talk, I talk a lot about low negativity thresholds. Um, and the research shows us actually that the healthiest couples are the ones who have these low negativity thresholds where the threshold for negativity to, um, to rise is very low. So once you experience something that we code as negative, right, we actually bring it forward, right? So the healthiest couples bring it forward faster. A lot of times people think that it's healthier to actually have this high negativity threshold where some of the narratives and stories might be like, well, we pick and choose our battles or we don't, we don't fight a lot or, oh yeah, you got to let some of the stuff slide, you know? And like that, yes, it's not about criticizing somebody's like the color blue that you're wearing. You know, like it's not, that's not about being nitpicky in that way. It's about if I am feeling hurt or if I'm feeling frustrated or if I'm feeling disappointed or betrayed that the threshold before I bring it forward is really, really low. Right. So I think what winds up happening is we allow uh, all of these experiences to build and build and build. And then eventually we actually just blow and then we're blowing about things that we don't even have understanding of. But going back to your question of sort of unpacking the messages, it's we are programmed beings, period. Dr. Bruce Lipton's research shows us that we operate from our non-conscious mind 95 to 99% of the time. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Crazy. And so we're in our conscious sort of like aware mind one to 5% of the time. And so we're operating from this programming and the programming comes from really from zero to seven is where they say, most of the programming happening happens and that's family systems, that's society. It's our coaches, it's our teachers. It's, it's any 
buddy in our life that is really meaningful and and what it is that we absorb from that space. I talk a lot about explicit and implicit messages, right? The ones that are spoken to us and the ones that we sort of just observe, right? And so we have these messages around what conflict looks like. And maybe conflict was a, let's just say an implicit message, right? We watched our parents fight in a certain way. And that becomes part of our programming. And so for me, it's so important for us as adults to take responsibility for our programming and for the messages and to start to say, what are the messages that I hold around conflict, around intimacy, around communication, around sex, around gender, uh, around the roles in a family, right? around uh, partnership, around religion, around education, around money. Right? It's really important to start to break these things down to say, oh, like this is the story that I hold. And then we start to check that. Do I actually believe this? And I think that what you guys were saying earlier, that so many of your listeners are people who are really challenging maybe their expectations around gender roles, for, for example, right? is to really look at the messages that you had around that, some of the implicit ones, right? Just the implied, the ones that you observed, and then the explicit ones that maybe you heard where people said, well, as a girl, you know, girls are ladylike, or Mm -hmm. a a woman is to be desired, or this, you know, like, those are the things that we hear, whether it's from society, or whether it's actually in the household, and to really check those stories, right? Do I actually align with that? Do I believe this because I believe this? Or do I believe this because this is what I've been told? And I actually think some of what you guys are saying is that there are people who are pushing back, which is absolutely happening, where they're like, screw that, I am not going to do that. I don't believe that. But we do it in a way that's reactive and resistant, mm-hmm. right? It's like, nobody's going to control me or I'm not, no, like that's not, I'm going to be an independent woman. And we don't actually realize what it is that we might be blocking and protecting, right? So it's so important to consciously be bringing this forward so that we have the tools to be able to set the boundaries in a healthy way without denying other people or rejecting them or pushing them out of our lives or not creating a healthy role or purpose or function functionality for them in our life, right? Because I think sometimes when we get into this, you were talking about that independent woman space, mm-hmm. like I can do yeah. it and I don't need to rely on somebody else. And I think oh, so many women are in that space. I, and I was certainly in that space for a very long time. And part of that is coming from the wounding. It's coming from the trauma. It's coming from the judgments that we hold. And without unpacking that, right, what happens is that we actually don't create space or room for another person to actually be needed. We don't create a, a, a role for them to have that function and that purpose in our lives, right? If we're always good and I don't need this and I can handle it all on my, my own, which, listen, I believe that you can carry your own bags and you can pay your bills and you can do all of that. But at the end of the day, we are humans and we have needs and we have to create room for that. And so how do I create that space in a healthy way where I'm not rejecting it and pushing back on it because I'm trying to like prove a new story and trying to crack through the code of like the things that feel like have held us back as women in the past to a healthy space of having that boundary, being able to articulate and then have that conversation while also creating the space to still have needs and to still honor that and create that room for there to be reciprocity and a dynamic in, in your partnerships or your friendships that's actually healthy and, and loving. 
and inclusive. We talk about this a lot um, in our community in terms of pendulum swings, and we see it all the time. So you have one belief, and as once you examine those beliefs and you quote-unquote wake up, the pendulum often swings way to the other side. And what where we're sort of encouraging women is to like come back to center. Like you, you know, but it's almost like people need to go through, it's almost like they need to go through the pendulum swing to um, fully appreciate where they were perhaps, but it can be as damaging to be on the other side. It can be as hurtful to you as self. I think what happens with women too, as far as, far as the independent woman thing goes, you 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 want to be an independent woman, a woman, and that means you don't need anyone to take care of you. But then it also starts, the story then is you can't have anyone take care of you. And um, that is incredibly hurtful to a lot of women because we have we have a lot of women out there, I think Annie and I would include ourselves in this, that are not asking for help and what we need and we are trying to carry the load on our own and we are so tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. And that's, yeah, well, I just, I think that's uh, one of the things I have on the list to talk about that women just have this um, oftentimes an ingrained fear of being too needy. Like, I don't want to put anyone out. Um, Our culture is definitely, as you noted, shifting towards valuing that independent woman. You know, of course, Beyonce comes to mind, but you know, like she's (laughs) talking about making her own money and, you know, like, and it's real. like a part of me is like, yes, like let's do all of that. But what's coming to mind when I hear you talk, uh, is the difference between like connection and attachment. Like, and I think I, I, I've gone through a, a phase and just growing our business naturally. That's like, okay, I, I, maybe I don't need to be as attached to some people as I thought I can support myself a little bit more, but I still want to remain connected to people. And that's something that I value, you know, with, uh, friends, family, my husband, and that, and then ultimately having needs isn't a weakness isn't a bad thing and we all have needs and connection for me is a really important need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a good distinction. I think the connection is something that is so important. Without it, like truly, truly, where are we, right? Like without connection, what is it that we're actually doing here? Right? And so to be able to bring that part forward is we, we do start to confuse having needs with neediness, right? It's like, we literally all have needs like that just we have to accept that right like every single human has needs and not just needs of like water and food and shelter and all that it's like no we have we have emotional needs that certainly some of them we can meet for ourselves but but really we need partnership and we need relationships um to, to meet those needs and to be a part of the healing for us. And, and how do we balance that, right? How do we balance, you know, wanting to set out and, and set goals for ourselves and, and feel that sense of autonomy and accomplishment and admiration for the self while also creating this space to say, I need help or I, I, like, I need you to listen to me or I'm feeling really insecure right now and I just want to be close to you, right? And so when you shame and criticize having a need, you're doing such an incredible disservice to you, right? It's like, I, I hate when, when women are, are coded as needy. Obviously, that's something that's been um, passed around for, for a very long time. And I think it's, 
it can be the insecurity uh, from others around not knowing how to actually meet those needs. It's like, I'm going to fail you. So it's your fault, right? Your (laughs) needs are too great. And again, if you're listening to this with your partner, that I think is important to see like, what is actually confronting about my needs? Because a lot of times, and again, it's the spectrum and it's not that men are always in their masculine. They're, They're not. But a lot of times when a man is in their masculine, they want the functionality and the fix it and how do I solve this? And when you're bringing emotion forward, that can sometimes feel really um, confronting, right? Like, I don't know how to fix this, right? And so what you're doing is too chaotic and too messy for me. And I do, so, so you're needy and this is too much. And, right. and it's not actually, I don't love you and I don't care about you. It's, I'm going to fail and I don't know, I don't want to fail. And I think when you can start to shift in that space and change that conversation of you're not, I don't need you to fix this, right? The masculine um, communicates from the space of fixing and, and, and the functionality and how do we solve this? And the feminine um, communicates and, and needs to be heard from the space of experience, connect to me, hear me, feel me, see me. And again, that's not gender focused it's that we're on that spectrum but if we're in one or the other how are we listening versus how are we communicating what is it that we actually need in that space that can be really helpful to actually let that need come forward um what you were saying before is like if i bring it forward and then it's not heard and it's rejected then it builds out this the case for doing it on your own. And that's not the case that we're trying to build out here. We're trying to build out the space for relationships to push us forward. We thrive when our relationships thrive. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, what you just said really stood out at me. And I think Connor offered some similar advice to acknowledge, like, I don't need you to fix this. I may not know how to fix this. I just want you to listen. Like, I just need to express how I'm feeling or just connect with you on that emotional level. Like, because I'm thinking of my husband too. He's like, okay, what are we going to do? Like, let's make a plan. What do I need to improve on? How can I fix it? And I'm like, just, just chill, just chill. Just listen. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not that easy. You know, like it's, we can have, again, we can have this awareness, but they're like, but, but why, why do you want me to listen? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I don't see the function in that. I don't see the value. Like, I don't see the value in that. And that's part of just the expansion of understanding these pieces. And also for us, if we have partners who maybe do want to fix is, is not saying, oh, you know, this is just a disaster and I can never bring this forward. It's, it's the patience and the love in that space to say, oh, I see that like, this is how you feel like you actually help me and that this is how you win and succeed and that you actually have a purpose and serve something for me in my life. And I so appreciate that. And there's another part to it right? And it's a dance. It's a tango. It's a, you know, we're going to get this wrong sometimes and we have to keep coming back to it and breaking down those walls and breaking down the things that keep us from connecting in that space. Because sometimes having somebody fix it actually is great and exactly what we need. And we're like, yeah, give me the pros and cons and like, give me the full out list here and let's get it going. Um, and then oftentimes it's, it's not and that we can recognize the difference and that there is purpose and value to both. I loved there was a word that you said just a minute ago, Vienna, that um, I'd like to just circle back to, but it was uh, rejection. And I think a lot of um, people aren't bringing their needs forward in their relationship because of that fear of rejection by their partner. And I, I think this happens to men and women. And one thing I've had to explore personally in the last few years is um, when my partner has needs, why 
I re- I resist that. And I think women can resist their partners having needs. They want to be able to bring their needs forward. Um, and they are maybe afraid their partner will reject those and, and they feel awful about that. But I think when we talk about the conditioning women have about their own role, men have the same type of conditioning. And I know Connor talks about this a lot in, as far as their masculine role in the world. And so women also have that conditioning. So are their partners, are our male partners allowed to have emotional needs? Like, do we create that space for them as well? Because that can be a really vulnerable space for a man to go to, to say, here are my emotional needs. Because, you know, they were conditioned to suppress those emotional needs and just making sure it's all this, it's a complete two-way street of saying, I'm going to bring my needs forward and I have these needs And I want us to lean into these needs, but I want you to bring your needs forward. And let's, you know, you need me. What do you need from me? Um, Or what do you need from, you know, in the world or from yourself to be a healthy person? And as a woman, to lean into that, to your partner being more vulnerable and um, asking for things, um, his needs to be met as well, I think important. There has to be room for them to bring their needs forward and for us not to create shame around that. And a lot of right. times what some of the feedback is that, that we do do that, right? That we want, we want this emotional part to come forward, but then when it comes forward, it gets rejected, right? It's like, whoa, oh, whoa, this is like, this is too soft or this is too something else. And, and we don't like that. And I think, you know, it's, I think it has to become personal to your own experience and to your own story, right? Like for you, Jen, you were saying before that you were your mother's caretaker in some ways, right? Mm-hmm. And so when someone else brings their needs forward from a, from a subconscious place, like, is there a part of you that's like, no, I don't want that role. I want to reject that. I don't want to have to be that caretaker to you right. in some ways, Absolutely. right? And so connecting to your own personal story, less about like, just women and men or the feminine or the masculine. It's like, it's those things, of course, because I think so many women share in a lot of um, familiar and like similar stories and messages for sure. And we are all unique human beings with unique stories, with unique constraints, with unique resistances and all of that. And so important for us to connect to why it is I personally may be rejecting this or pushing this back. Why does this feel threatening to me? And asking ourselves that question, why does this feel threatening to me? What role does it put me in? Is that a role that I don't like, that I, that I don't want to be in anymore or is, or is uncomfortable for me for some reason or familiar or unfamiliar? Or do I think I'm going to fail or do I just hate this role? You know, and like right. be able to connect to that, to understand what it is that's going on in our programming and in our internal systems so that we can challenge that and actually create that space and an environment for both of us to be able to bring these parts forward. You um, offered us a lot of gold. There's a lot of meat yeah. in the last <laughs> 50 minutes of this um, episode and such a refreshing perspective on conflict and and masculine, uh, just a general idea of masculine energy doesn't necessarily belong to a male or a female and, and feminine um, and the like. I just think it's just a really uh, refreshing perspective. So thank you so much. And before you uh, hop off here, you have some... Um, projects and workshops coming down the pipe that I would love for you to share with our audience, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. We, we just had an awesome event last night here in New York City. Um, but our, our next big one that we're so excited about is our couples retreat that we're doing in the Dominican Republic. Um, we are taking seven couples with us. It's the most beautiful uh, 
property uh, that's private and we're so excited about it, but it's truly a deep dive into this work and we are, yeah, we're still taking applications. We still have a few spots left for couples. So we'd love to invite your listeners um, to that space. Uh, we'll be talking about communication, conflict and intimacy. Those are the three main pieces that we're going to be diving into. Um, it's a luxury retreat. It's a, it's a bit of a vacation also, um, but it's, it's going to be the work, you know, it's going to be the work right. and it's going to be bringing, bringing the couples together and really doing the transformative work. And I just remind people, I forget this sometimes because I, I generally work with, you know, individuals, couples, and families here. I forget the power of group dynamics and how much we learn from other couples. And so when I have the privilege of getting to do this, I am so reminded of what it is that we learn from other people and the vulnerability, of course, to bring your cup, your relationship forward in, in a small group setting, but the value and the transformation that happens there is just like none other. So we're so excited about it. Um, it's the best couples retreat.com. Our domain name does not lie. <laughs> we're like, how do we get this domain name? That's awesome. Um, but yeah, so if, if anybody's interested in it, please reach out to us. We're still taking the applications and we'd love to, to chat with you about it. So. I also think that can be really helpful to do intensives like that. When, when you start couples therapy, you know, it's like an hour and then you go two weeks later and it's another hour. And even if you plan on continuing couples therapy, which I think is a great idea for every couple, but it's, I think like having an intensive like that is, is, can be so beneficial. Like you can just start going through these things without having to say, okay, time's up. We'll pick up again in two weeks kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. that sounds like it's such a small group that would be so nice and intimate, I would imagine, like to get some really good quality one-on-one -on -one time with, with you and, and together and with others. And Connor's going as well, right? Yeah, it's yeah, Connor right, and I are, are right, hosting. It, so. Yeah. It's um yeah it's a beautiful balance and yeah we're we're really being selective with who it is that we're choosing to come to to make sure that the group dynamic is is a healthy good dynamic um so yeah I mean we're very excited about it we also do intensives here in New York City so if people right. can't make it out to Dominican Republic then you know weekend availability for that is something that Connor and I do too so and Connor's amazing at talking to men like he really understands the masculine and he's amazing at talking to and connecting to men and taking them on that journey. Anytime I can, I'm recommending women. They're asking us, is there anything that exists for men like your community? Yeah. And I'm saying, you need to get your man in the man talks community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He's honestly the, I am certainly biased, but I've never seen someone work with men, um, in the way that, in the way that Connor does. It's, it's, something I truly admire about him so yeah he's fantastic you're both fantastic and yes. we're so lucky to have had you both as guests I now. know I feel like we just struck gold here <laughs> I know <laughs> we'll have to do a podcast with both of us oh, that would be it. so that would be fun awesome. yes yeah. yeah well thank you so much again for your time I appreciate it thanks, have fun Anna. on your retreat thanks so much thank guys. you bye-bye bye, -bye. bye. This episode is brought to you by our online coaching course, Balance 365. If you're ready to say goodbye to quick fixes and false promises, and yes to building healthy habits and a life you're 100% in love with, then check out our program at balance365.co to learn more.